everyone, and welcome to episode 150 of Midweek Metagame. I'm HamTG, joined here by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Hey everyone, how's it going? And Gabriel Nassif. Hey, what's up guys? What's up everyone? Well, well, well. There's been a ban in Modern, a ban in Standard, as well as I've been playing Modern this week, and we've all been playing Magic. So we got a lot to talk about, specifically about the bands. We're going to be breaking down modern, what we think of it all. But before we get into the conversation this week, we got to let you know this podcast is sponsored by Card Market. For those who don't know what it is, it's a marketplace online to buy anything Magic the Gathering related. It can be deck boxes, sleeves, accessories, singles, play mats. You can sell on there. You can buy other card games like Digimon, Pokemon, Flesh and Blood, Yu-Gi-Oh. They've got it all. Go check out Card Market, cardmarket.com or cardmarket.eu because they support the podcast. Also want to give a huge shout out to all the patrons that support the podcast. They help us be here every week. Patreon.com slash midweek metagame. No pressure to do so, but that's the best place to support us. Um, but let's jump straight into things. If you're living under a rock and you did not know, there were some bannings this past week. So Gab, what was actually banned? Yeah, so I'm going to start with my predictions. My prediction was Something in Standard, no ban in Pioneer, no ban in Modern, and then Legacy and Popper. I don't know much about. I know people were maybe expecting Iteration to go or Merktide to go in Legacy, kind of nerf the Merktide deck a bit. And what ended up happening was a ban in Standard, Meat Hook Massacre. Pretty easy to predict that it was going to be a black card. Some people were hoping or thinking maybe Fable of the Mirror Breaker might go. And yeah, I haven't played Standard much since or before really so i'm not sure if that's going to be super effective but i think something had to to change in standard so that's good and in modern they actually banned yorion which some people had on their radar i thought that if they wanted to ban kind of offender number one for me it was maybe ren and six i think a lot of games kind of end when a player is on the play and they get turned to ren and six in many matchups but uh, they decided to ban Yorion, and they said that, you know, it had to do with Omnath being a good deck and maybe not the most fun to play. And also the whole, like, dexterity, 80 cards, which is kind of a weird argument when Commander is the most popular format, and that's 100 cards. But I guess the Yorion deck typically has fetch lands, sometimes has run and six, or often has run and six. And I think if you talk to people who've played live, I'm not sure how true that is, but what I've heard from you, Harry, and other people, and maybe you, Pat, is that a lot of matches that go to time involve at least one four-color player. I've played yeah. one live paper tournament where I played against Yurion Omneth, and this the amount of shuffling that goes on was just incredible. Like, there's only like one copy of all these like targets, and you got to fetch specifically. So, you know, they were searching their eighty card library a lot. And shuffled hmm. a lot. And I honestly just got to the point where I was like, I don't even care if you're stacking your deck. I'll just tap it. I don't want to do this again. It was really unpleasant yeah. to play against. I, I like the ban. I think that, you know, going after Ren and Six might make, might take the deck down the, you know, the largest uh, notch in power level, but it also kind of cripples people's like financial investments. And, you know, it seems like what's he's taking that into consideration a little bit at this point in time. I, I, I don't mind taking the deck down in power a little bit maybe opening up some other options for deck building in that kind of multicolor uh, elemental space and, you know, taking away that kind of unpleasant element of the game of shuffling 80 cards. It's funny because I actually went to FNM last week 
uh, in London, um, I got a message from a viewer that there's like this London group chat for magic. If you want to borrow a deck, you just ask in there. So yeah, I got, I got to borrow mono white hammer time, went to F and M round two. My opponent was playing Yorion Rhinos and my hammer time, you know, hammer time plays really quick, like max two minute tank on a combat step. We, we almost went to time. I just scooped a game. I was like, I can win this, but you're just shuffling too much. I'll just scoop. The shuffling was insane. The only one game, they actually put Yori onto hand. They didn't use it. The whole time, we just spent shuffling with the fetch lands, like fetch on their end step when they're top decking lands. It was like so long. So I completely understand. And I'm actually happy with the ban. But um, I think we can all agree we're all happy. And we don't think it'll change modern much, but... For me, what I'm wondering the most is why not just get rid of all the companions then? Because we're getting to the point now where it's like, okay, Gigantha isn't great. Um, Arbosh is good, but not great. Like, are we getting to the point where, though, when there's only a couple companions, they turn from oh, not great to actually really great because no one else has a companion to compete against it? And I was just thinking maybe, you know... For example, Mono Red, when it was very low to the ground and mo uh, modern with the lava darts and stuff, was great with Obosh and Blood Moon and Season Pyro. I'm just wondering, like, if that ever comes back, won't Obosh potentially could be on the chopping block? Why not just get rid of them all now and just say, look, it was a mistake? I think it's fine to keep them as long as they're not too powerful. I like their approach of, you know, gradually banning cards just one at a time, two at a time, just see what happens. I don't think oh, anyone's going to say Giganta or Obosh or Kihir are too too good. Um, but yeah, to go back to the band, it is a little weird because Red and Six is kind of one of the cards that makes you shuffle a lot. But you said it even happened against Rhinos, which doesn't play Red and Six. Just the fact of having to search for that one exact dual lens in 80 cards instead of 60, I guess that's yep. going to help a bit. It'll be interesting to see what happens though because 60 card... Kahira, you know, Omnef Kahira or just Omnef was perfectly fine for a long time. So Yeah, that was the original build, right? Like kind of Risen Reef, all the pitch elementals, and then you had Kahira as your companion uh, in the 60 card shell. I don't remember the original builds. I know I played the Kahira version for a while, or just a 60 card version for a while, maybe. And I was doing okay against the 80 card version. I suspect it's just because I was more consistent and I had Ren and Six on two more often and Teferi on three more often and Omnath on four more often, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't feel like a huge disadvantage in the matchup. People, I think, are going to Kihira right now, but maybe it's just, you know, no companion, just Ice Fang and Counterspells. People are playing Counterspell with Kihira and I think it's a little awkward because it's pretty much your only instant. And it's nice to have that, you know, dual threat of, you know, am I going to play a Nice Fang or am I, do I have Counterspell Man up? So so we'll see what, what happens. But I like the shakeup, you know. Personally, I haven't been super crazy about Modern lately. I'm never super inspired. And it's not a big change, but, you know, it's like, okay, maybe I'll go back, see what, you know, 60-card Omnaf looks like. Wow, you know, I know it's not very innovative, but it's still... A little shake-up, maybe blue-white control becomes a bit better. Yorion Omnaf was one of the toughest matchups, if not the toughest. So maybe blue-white control becomes a bit better. Uh, it's it's nice, you know, a little shake-up. I like it. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think that 
just I'm in favor of the, the subtle the subtler kind of change at this point in time, given that even though modern's been a little bit kind of maybe it's felt a little bit stale, it hasn't felt like anything's kind of like overwhelmingly too good and obviously needed to go. I just appreciate a little bit of a shake up. And with you, I've been kind of uh, just you know thinking more and more about kind of like you know what is actually the best way to to retool these four color decks now. Now that you don't want to just have your cake and eat it too and play eighty cards. I go and back to your point, your original question, Harry. Like, you know, why don't you just ban all the companions? I think they're working their way through them systematically once they reveal themselves to not really actually incur a deck building penalty. Like, Lurus was just, you know, glaringly obvious that you could make a very, 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 very good modern deck, which just didn't have a restriction essentially, and it's put Lurus as your companion. And we also kind of learned at roughly the same time that Yorion doesn't come with much of a deck building cost either at a certain point in time, especially when you're building these kind of uh, multifaceted kind of, you know, lots of different plan of attack control decks where you might not necessarily want to play four copies of every card. So, you know, you, you, you functionally build a, a, a three copy of every card, 80 card deck and, you know, get Yorion for free at the top end. And so, you know, I think that that comes at like little to no deck building cost. And so they can chop Yorion off. Maybe if cards like Gigantha or Kahira just come in and and you know fill up that space or Obosh like you're describing, then they'll be in the firing line too. But at this point, I think those cards come with genuine deck building costs. You know, Gab's describing kind of you know you have to decide between Ice Fang Kotal and uh, Kahira, and so that takes away your ability to protect yourself uh, effectively early. Obosh obviously playing no two drops is a big cost. Uh, and you and Gigantha like double costed spells are can be really good, so like you know, you obviously want to play them too. So, yeah, I'm in favor of the kind of just taking out the powerful companions. Uh, I think overwhelmingly we could admit that companions not a good mechanic and you know, a, a mistake overall. But if it leaves us with things that make people make genuinely interesting decisions in their deck building choices, then I guess maybe it's okay uh, in the long run. But yeah, I, getting back to the format, like. Renin 6 obviously just is still the kind of the engine of these four color decks and will continue to be. And now they, people are going to have it on turn two more often because the decks are now more 60 cards and, and a lot more consistent. But I do appreciate that they will have to, what goes around it will have to be kind of well considered now rather than just like I can fit everything I really want to do in here and not have to think too hard about it. So that's, that's a good thing. And it's made me uh, think very hard about firing up modern Q Reel recently. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think also to briefly cover the Legacy bands, because I've been playing a lot more Legacy than Modern lately, I don't think that Delver is actually that good for those calling for a Delver ban. Not trying to be that guy, but I think it's very easy to build a deck that beats Delver, as well as they're really susceptible to Graveyard Hate now. I was I made a local Legacy group chat, and they were asking me, like, how do you beat Delver? And I just put Leyline of the Void, and they were like, huh, what? That makes no sense. And then if you realize, well, they have four Channelers, four Merc Tide, you play Leyline of the Void, their Mystic Sanctuary doesn't work. They have crappy little creatures, they can't cast the Merc Tide. And obviously, if you have some sort of combo or aggressive plan to back that up, you beat them. Um, that's specifically with Mono Black, but I think there's a lot of angles to beat them, because they're turning into more like a graveyard deck, like the modern deck. So yeah, I'm I'm happy with no changes, and I think that Legacy is actually in a really good spot. Been enjoying myself in that format right now. Yeah, obviously I, I haven't played enough Legacy to comment on that sort of stuff, but from from what what I what I can see, there's like you know new things doing well every week, and you know to be perfectly frank, Delve has always been a big part of that format, 
and they haven't been unhappy with it up until now. So I don't, I don't see why they were making a big sweeping change at this point when it's always been mm. occupied kind of like a quarter or like a third of the metagame. The the one true thing I would say is annoying about Legacy is how many cheap counterspells there are now. Days, Force of Negation, Force of Will, Pyroblast, Flusterstorm, you see them almost every single match. And I could say that the most annoying and unfair one feels like Days, because no, they have one card in hand or five cards in hand, you have to play around it, whereas Force of Will is much more easy to play around. So I understand that argument, but any other ban I, I kind of disagree with. Because I think that Doomsday is also very good, and Days helps a ton in that deck. But yeah, that's that's enough legacy for me. M modern wise, I think that for me personally, I've been trying to play F and M's, which have been a ton of fun, surprisingly. And um, yeah, I've I've been you know in and out of the format. I've personally really enjoyed Hammer Time. I've been playing the offline myself. Played it in paper. And because Gab, you spoke about it last week and said it's not your play style. And I don't know, I've just been really enjoying it. The lines, the combat steps are really confusing as well as one thing that I found to be really annoying is when you put Pure Steel Paladin to play. It's like the the first equip. Like if you have three equipments, it's, or like, sorry, three creatures, like what do you equip first to play around removal? Or is a Saga fetching? I've just been really enjoying it, to be honest. I've, I think more low to the ground, faster decks have been my thing. Yeah, I think my problem was that I was streaming, I was not super focused. It's kind of the, especially when you're playing it for the first time, you need to be really focused, think about your lines, mm. think about the sequencing, because, you know, it starts on, on turn one. So, it, yeah, I, I could see, like, how, I think with most decks in Magic, once you, you know, get better with them, it gets more fun, and you feel better about yourself and about the way you're playing, and you win more, that's more fun, too, so... <laughs> No, I, I I could see it. It was it was just a lot of the games were you know a lot of the games you lose you you mulligan a bunch or you don't do much or you have that window where you need to you know hit your like twenty percenter or else you just lose and but yeah I, I I can see I can see it it being fun too. I'm not a hater. Yeah. You said that you were going back to modern though after the ban. Did you just try control decks? I didn't go. Back to modern. I did record a league for CIB today. It was just the, the blue-white list I played this weekend and a challenge I did well was the days on doing list. Uh, mm. I went 5-2 on Saturday and top four. So I think that was 7-2 or 8-2, 7-2 on, on Sunday. Uh, so that was really cool. I wasn't too sure what to play. You know, I was like, okay, days on doing. It's been good to me. I like the binding, uh, the binding tech. I wonder if I had tried the deck. I'm not sure I tried the deck. I just basically... Played what happened is I played regular blue white kind of Waffles list was binding and I was really impressed was the the mana base and the card the leyline binding. What you do is you play one Rogrin Triumph and one Zagos Triumph, which is the the Jeskai one and the Saltai one. So you fetch Triumph Rogrin on turn one. On turn two you fetch Zagoth and you have one mana binding on turn two and for the rest of the game. And while my league or my Prelim was blue. I didn't go very well. I think maybe I went one, two and got a buy in the fourth round or something. You know, same, same old blue white issues. I was really impressed with binding. So I looked up some list. I saw some updated versions of blue white days on doing was binding in it. 
And yeah, I just ran it on, on Saturday, did well, ran it back on Sunday, did, did even better. And you know, what is nice concerning the Bannon, I think Omnaf is kind of a tough matchup. You know, I've beaten it, I've lost to it. I actually beat Doom Switch in the top eight, but he had kind of bad draws and there was a couple, there was a really awkward spot where I go days on doing with Narset in play and he unholy heats it. And I, you know, kind of like, oh, he had it. And then I look up and he just didn't have cards in hand. And he just, somehow he had like 10 or 12 cards in his graveyard and he didn't have Delirium. <laughs> and I, he missed it. I missed it when it happened. Um, so that might be a good thing. What might be bad though is that if you assume blue is going to be more popular because there's going to be less Omnath, then blue at control is bad matchup. It was one of my losses. You can maybe fix it a bit. I was not playing any disputes in my sideboard. I didn't have any Shark Typhoon, Manor sideboard. And these cards are actually also pretty good against Murktide. I, I played against Murktide today. It was one of my losses in the league. And, you know, you can win the matchup. Having Leyline Binding, I think, is really good against them. But, yeah, anyways, I like the deck. It, it's fun. It has some inherently good matchups against stuff like Titan. You have a bunch of Dressdowns and Subtleties and... Narset Day Zondling is pretty effective against them, and Jace is Jace plus the free elementals is pretty effective. Your cards line up well against Yogmoth. Now you have Binding to get rid of um, Gris, the Planeswalker, which was really good. I think Binding's really good in almost every matchup, except maybe Omnath, because a lot of their permanents kind of cantrip. So once they start bouncing them with Teferi or they have their own ley line. You know, if you start casting ley lines on Omnaths and Teferis and it's some, not, yeah. I saw some spots where they kind of got Besage Ren going and just unlocked everything against you with a, with ley line binding. Yeah, I think that was maybe against Sherry. Um, yeah, it was, was yeah. yeah. I actually played, I don't know if it was the same day. Yeah, it was the same day I played against Harry and Sherry and the, had the most <laughs> insane matches. Harry was like... The games are, were kind of one-sided and the matchup felt pretty good. I had two rest in peace in my sideboard, which were really good. It's like okay against the Jeskai Breach deck, but against that red-green version that relies pretty heavily on like, you know, you have Dragon Rage Channeler, you have Engineer, you have Unholy Heat, you have the combo. You're not as good as, as getting rid of a rest in peace too. I was so good. And against Sherry I had the most insane match where I was close, and then I was going to get timed out. I was like two or three minutes behind when we started game three. There's not a lot of time. And the whole game three, I was behind on time. And I was going to win, but I was going to time out. And then came like one minute mark or so, and I just, I was ahead on time. And I just removed all my stops and I actually timed out Cherry, despite being like two or three minutes behind almost the entire match. So That, that was a classic moment. I really enjoyed watching that one, actually. That was, I mean, yeah, I was like, you know, I had chat closed and stuff. I, I don't even know what, what really happened. I'm guessing chat was pretty, going totally nuts. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't watching either. But no, I, yeah, I guess to summarize my tournament, I played Aspiring Spikes, Red Green. Well, Aspiring Spike designed the concept, Red Green Underworld Breach. Cherry and I made some changes. The general idea is you're playing Ragavan, Dragon Rage Channeler, Underworld Breach, Grinding Station. Then you have things like Mox Amber. You have Renin Six to kind of turn it on. Uh, and obviously you have Urza Saga. 
And there's the combo because you can make infinite mana with Underworld Breach, Grinding Station, Mox, and then you can use something like Grape Shot. You can cast a load of Lightning Bolts. So, yeah, Cherry and I played a league each with the deck. I think we woke up early before the challenge, both played a league. I think Cherry 4-1, I think I started off 3-1 and then the challenge started, so we had a good, we thought we had a good list, we made some changes, we put a lot of, Spike only had two Orvars in the sideboard, and we either went up to three or four, and uh, we made other changes to the board. Yeah, overall, I started off 3-0, I had this running curse with Cherry that when we play together and I start undefeated, I bomb out of the tournament. But every time I've lost one of the first rounds, I win. So, like, all of my Pioneer wins have been round one or round two losses. <laughs> every other tournament I play, I start undefeated, then just lose everything. The so, 3-0, yeah, then I lost to... What did I lose to? I don't remember. I lost to something, and then I played against Gab, lost to Gab. So, I just dropped. Somehow, top 64, which was pretty cool. Got got some money back, but... Why did you guys have so many Orvars? So, I know it's good against creativity, because... Mm. Maybe we should remind what Orver does because I'm not There's sure. No what I, I have no idea what Orver does. So it's it's a free free for blue and free, and I think when it's in play and you target a creature, maybe it targets something about that. But the reason people play it is when you when your opponent makes you discard it, you get to copy a permanent in play. Oh right, so it's really good against Alcon of Cruelty. Yeah. So yeah. what happens is they get Archon, you discard it. You get your own Archon, they have to sack an Archon, and even if they get two Archons, you, they have to sack one and you get the first attack step, so you attack and they sack the second one, so they can't veil it, they can't counter it, there's literally nothing they can do about it. Yeah, provided so you have another card in hand to discard the second the, the second yeah. Uh, Archon. Yeah, that's that's really that's really sweet tech. And I actually think I like it more than for that for that matchup than against, you know, say like a Liliana deck in Pioneer or whatever, where I've seen Orvar before. Yeah, that's actually like a really sweet kind of like haymaker win condition. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's really impressive tech. My, my question is, why did you have so many, and is it good in any other matchups? So, why we had so many? Just because I think before that challenge, the surprise factor was there. We just kind of got people. It was a free win. I crushed creativity two zero. I think Cherry played against it a few times, got the Ovar down. But we played so many is because we have to draw it, right? You can't you you can't do it anything with it in the graveyard with Underworld Breach. You just need one. They don't really play Faultsies uh, to kind of disrupt it before the Orvar gets discarded. But um, since we've played it, now creativity players are kind of working around it. Like for example, some lists plays Teferi Time Raveler. You can maybe either use the plus and cast the creativity on our turn and then it makes it a bit awkward because you can sack dwarven mine you can sack the fairy time raveler to the archon um so that type of stuff so i'm not sure if i'm that high on it anymore and i don't even think i'm high on the list that i actually that we actually played because a new person came out and i don't know if it was in that challenge or if it was in a league but we're now playing a list with just three grinding stations in the main, no Goblin Engineer, because basically Goblin Engineer was played to either fetch, um, I don't remember the name, it's a one, it's a red artifact, when enters the battlefield, exile the top card of your library, you pay three mana to sack it, make a 2-2, two, two, and exile the top card again. Experimental, improvised card, experiment or something like that. Synthesizer, something, like something that. synthesizer. Synthesizer, yeah, yeah, something like that. 
yeah, that that card I don't think is very good in the deck. Think that um, the deck it the deck works well because you just cast Underworld Breach and cast what you need from your graveyard. I don't think that you need Goblin Engineer because it rarely won us games. It was more of a two mana draw engine like getting back Mishra's Bauble and the Synthesizer every turn. That was literally the only time we use Engineer, just a bit slow. So the deck is definitely on its early stages in the modern format, but I think between Hammer Time and this deck, it's a very close choice for me. I'm not as good with Hammer Time. This deck is actually not as complicated. I mean, I have like three leagues and a challenge under my belt with it now, so I'm feeling pretty good with it, but... Yeah, I really liked Red Green Underworld Breach. I think that honestly, Underworld Breach to me is one of the most unexplored cards in modern because every time I see a deck list come out, it's so untuned and still it feels powerful enough to jam in a challenge, which feels pretty good. So I mean, Yogmoth's Will is a, a historically yeah. broken magic card, and this card's better than Yogmoth's Will. I, I am I'm kind of with you. I think this is one of the the cards in modern that I'm surprised isn't better than it is. Or doesn't put up more results than it does. I mean, there's there's people doing well with this Jeskai breach things and uh, also this red green breach as well. But I, yeah, you know, it's banned in Pioneer for a reason. I, it's an incredibly powerful card, and one day it'll. I was gonna yeah. say it depends who you talk to. If you, I'm sure if you talk to Corey Boymeister, Russ Merriam, you know, hmm. a few others, they've been playing that deck for a while and they they've been crushing. And yeah, that Jeskai list I think is probably pretty pretty well tuned. So. Yeah, no, every time I play against that deck, it always feels super tough, super close. And uh, I haven't tried it. I'm not sure why. It's probably a decent bit of fun, too. You've got Emery, you've got Teferi, you've got Dragovan draws, you've got a combo. Um, you know, I remember when we did commentary, you, you and me, Harry, Russ was featured a lot. And as you know, he was pretty impressed with the deck and his play. So, yeah, no, that. That deck is is good. That red green list, honestly, it doesn't look super great to me. What would you say are some of your your good matchups and your bad matchups? I know you haven't played a I ton. I would say but... that the worst matchup felt like um, either Amulet Titan because it's a combo deck that has a Boil Grazer to block Ragavan. Ragavan hitting is a big thing, and I also felt like any deck with force of vigor in the sideboard was really rough because a lot of your stuff has to stay like some things have to stay on the table like mox mox amber in the early game is quite important or is a saga so that that feels quite rough i think it's specifically sideboard cards that feel rough how, um, how many best issues were you guys playing total we, we had three in the board to be fair so they they are useful and against a card like rest in peace they aren't amazing but against any other deck that we need a Besaju, it kind of works because you can get it back with Ren. But I think that the deck play differently to you because we can't just jam the combo. A lot of decks you can just jam, like you can just put put your combo on the board, I have them dead next turn, you can put them dead to a land off the top. Ragavan really does amazing things. Um, it was funny, I got paired against Glimpse in the tournament and I had turn two Hardcast Fury with this deck, and I had turn three Hardcast Omnath because I went turn one Ragavan. I had two Mox Ambers in <laughs> my hand, and so I went like turn one Ragavan attack, uh, made a treasure, and and 
Oh, no, no, no. It was turn one, Ragavan, Mox, Amber, Springleaf, Drum. That was it. Yeah, yeah, it was turn one, Ragavan, Mox, Amber, Springleaf, Drum, attack, hit the Fury, play my land, and then I played the other Mox in my hand. So I had two lands, two Mox, and a treasure? And then the next turn, the Spring... Or maybe it was the next turn. I don't know. I basically... It's, there's a screenshot on my Twitter. There's the answer. I actually took a screenshot of both of them. It's something to do with... I had double mock Springleaf Drum, and a few treasures with Ragavan. Maybe I didn't have a land drop or something. But yeah. Ragavan the deck is very... Times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, why, why do you want to play this deck? And I think, to me, why I like the deck is that it's just you're playing busted cards, right? You have Ragavan, Renin, Six, Urza, Saga with a combo alongside it and um i thought it was really great against yogmoth really great against to be honest anything that doesn't have good sideboard disruption i felt really happy to play against i don't think it's the best deck in the world but i just like i think i just like the combo deck alongside uh, the busted cards I, i'm with i'm with you the, with your assessment that the best thing about the deck is the fact that it plays a bunch of sick cards it's definitely got that mm. multifaceted game plan. It's, you know, like I said, you're like you know, putting pressure on your opponent early with Ren and Six, uh, with with Ra- with Ragavan. You know, you can play longer games with Ren and Six. Under you, you can Underworld Breach plays multi- multiple roles in the deck as well. It's like you get know, one part of your combo, which is massively threatening, but at the same time, it also kind of closes the door. Like you can just chain a couple of bolts together, use it as that kind of you know, like a draw three or draw four engine. And so, yeah, I, I think the deck's got some amount of power, but I don't necessarily think other than Renin 6 much d- differentiates its kind of strengths from, say, the, the Jeskai version of the combo or whatnot. But it's still a re- re- really cool deck and, you know, like like you said before, Underworld Breach, really, really powerful magic card that you know, doesn't see quite as much play as it probably deserves to. I want to um, mm. ask Gab a couple of, well, make, make a couple of points about the blue-white deck that Gab was, Gab was playing and because last time you, you played this Blue Eyed Days Undoing deck, you weren't playing. It was pr- pr- prior to Leyline Binding coming out. And I just wanted to highlight just how big of a game that card is, in particularly in conjunction with Narset, where before Blue White didn't have a really good uh, universal hit off Narset that it could play on the same turn. But now you can just flip Leyline Binding and have an answer to anything. Whereas, like, you know, maybe you had to play, like, Path to Exile or you were reliant on, like, them having a one-mana spell for you to be able to hit a Prismatic ending. Now you just have the universal cover-all cover answer that you can hit off Narset. So it's a, it becomes this kind of really powerful turn four play of establish the Planeswalker and re, and remove your threat. That gives you a lot of a lot of advantage in, in matchups that might have been more difficult before, I think. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great card in the deck and... Not much has changed since last time. Narset lines up surprisingly well. It stops, you know, I don't know, that's kind of niche, but Krasis after Cyborg and Sidon. There's just a lot of decks that are not super good at killing um, killing Narset right away. Uh, something like Hammer Time might, might struggle to kill it right away. And if you untap and cast Days on Doing, you know, you can... You can uh, you can swing the game even if you're a bit behind on board. You can draw into Solitude. As you said, now you have Binding, which is yeah, going to cost one mana do, a lot of the time. I saw you do the Raw Days Undoing a few times, and it worked out really nicely for you a lot of the time that you do it as well, where like you get just having that extra kind of density of cheap things to cast at instant speed in their turn, even if you have to do the kind of 
you know, the fair and days undoing is, yeah, it just adds that little bit of extra power to the deck that, that puts it into the realm of kind of, you know, legitimate in the format rather than just kind of a bit of a gimmick, I think. We kind of, we, we, we sung its praises a little bit and like, you know, talked about where it was good before, just to kind of, you know, where Narset, Narset lines up well. But I just think Leyline Binding is just a really big game for that deck. And I, I really like the way you're building it as well, where you're kind of heavy on, you actually went back to having the counter spells and, you know, getting to play Force of Negation as well. You, know, you, you had a big advantage against Doom Switch because you got to have the Force of Negation exchange on the tap when you was tapping out against one another, and that 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 changes a lot of things when you're like you're tapping out for Narset on turn three and control mirrors or whatnot. Yeah, I was playing four counter spell. I do board it out in a lot of matchups. In the league I played today, I boarded it out against Titan. I boarded it boarded it out against Hammer. Maybe kept one in. I boarded it out in one or two other matchups, but it's just a solid game one card, I guess. It's I almost want to say just interaction. It's like cheap-ish interaction. It's versatile. I added a five mana Deferi today to go was counterspell, and you have Dress Down, and I thought maybe it was Binding could be good. I never actually cast the, the five mana Tef, so can't report on that. But um, yeah, it's cool. It is cool that sometimes days on doing, you cast the naked, you know, maybe you mulligan to five, and you know, your opponent has six cards in hands anyways, and you have one or two, so you're like, I oh, might as well cast Days on Doing, and some sometimes things works out. Sometimes removing their graveyard is kind of, you know, important. I got paired against Dredge, against the Breach deck. Sometimes, uh, I think it was in the league today, I beat Breach, and I resetted the graveyard in a spot where it was kind of iffy for me. Um, yeah, it can. it's kind of the reset button, you know, kind of ultimate RNG button sometimes, but... Better than that lo- than losing, you know. Yeah, blue white definitely needs some kind of roll the dice again button. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I recommend the deck. I think it's strong. I don't think it's, it's the best deck in the format, but it lines up pretty well. It does some cool stuff. It has some some decent matchups. It's it's you know it's fun to uh, to cast days on doing with our set and play. I don't know if it's fun for my opponents, but it's fun for me. <laughs> I actually, I actually have a funny story that I forgot to tell you, Gab, about control at FNM. So I got <laughs> to, this is relevant, but I got paired against a player and um, I had a suspicion that they were Mandarin. So I asked them like, oh, where are you from? And they said China. So I basically said something to them in Mandarin and they were like, uh, oh, that's cool, Harry, that you can speak Mandarin. And I was like, oh, do you know me? He's like, yeah, I do. I know you through Gab because normally when I watch Gab, I have to constantly skip ten seconds. But with your content, I can just watch it fluently. <laughs> I prefer watching Gab for the control stuff. I was like, "Oh, okay, cool, nice. thanks." Yeah, no. So shout out to them. I actually never got their name, but yeah, no shout out to them. That was pretty pretty yeah. funny. I was yeah. like, "Oh." That's when Harry nice. was in Paris, we went to Chinese uh, restaurant, like kind of takeout place, and he wanted to, he wanted to talk to him in Mandarin so badly, but then he ended up like not yeah, doing it. I have this. It's so too shy. I have such to a big like, fear because some people, like I've I've actually actively tried to speak to some people in on like at shops, to, but I feel like uh, uh, at least in the UK they don't like it. They don't like it. So it's very awkward because um, one of my close friends is from Taiwan. And basically when, I, when I'm with him and I speak Mandarin to people, they speak back in Mandarin. But a lot of people, either they pretend that they don't understand what I'm saying or they say that they don't speak Mandarin. It's really weird. I don't know. It, only when I'm with someone who, who's Chinese na- native to China, 
Do we have they, like a particularly large English. Cantonese population in the UK, or is it mostly Mandarin Chinese? No, no. They, these uh, like. I'm going to Mandarin, like Mandarin style stores, like places where they obviously speak Mandarin. Right. And I don't know. I think I think it's just uh, some sort of problem. So I, I I'm very shy when I, like when Gab and I were right. friends, we went to well, the Mandarin you should, thing. You should come, I'm very worried that they'll a, say to me like, "Come to Australia and speak oh, Mandarin." Oh, I don't know what you're saying. In in yeah. Chinese restaurants, and you will get spoken back to in Mandarin. I assure you, they love they love it when when people speak Mandarin in Australia. Right, right. I'll, I'll just fly out to Australia. Quick, quick trip over to Australia and get some sweet and sour yeah. pork or something. <laughs> they love when yeah, you love Mandarin. But yeah, no. Um, what is it? But I guess the last thing that I had for Modern this week, I sent you guys a photo in the group chat, but Cherry and I, we brewed, we decided one night, I was just like to Cherry, you know what's a really big card? is Bizarre Trade Mage, because I have this idea that I want to make some sort of YouTube video where I'm essentially saying, wait a second, you thought that all the busted Modern Horizons cards are already public? No, 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 there's this card. And um, yeah, I want to do like some sort of like secretly broken, these types of titles typically work. So Bizarre Trade Mage, it was played early on in, I think it was printed in Modern Horizons 1? There's honestly Maybe no way two. of knowing. Yeah, one of them, obviously. And uh, it was played in Hollow One, Vengevine. Mm-hmm. And then once uh, Simeon Spear Guide got banned, Faith is Looting has been banned for a long time. These decks struggle a ton. But we realized, wait a second, no one's played Ragavan or Ledger Shredder in Vengevine. So we built this blue-red Vengevine deck with four Ragavan, four Ledger Shredder, um four Bizarre Trade Mage, four Season Pyromancer, and wait a second, let me add this on top, Fury, because Fury triggers Vengevine. So we we build this deck together, and I played a league with it. It, it wasn't great, but I noticed a few busted things. First off, Ragavan Dash is really good with Vengevine, because you get Vengevine back, they have to kill it. You have the Ragavan Dash bounces to your hand. Ledger Shredder Connive, discard the Vengevine. A bizarre trade mage trigger puts hollow one online. Bowmat career was pretty good. You've also got uh, the madness rootwalla. I think it's called blazing rootwalla. It's, bla- it's, it's the root red wall, one. Yeah. Yep, that one's really good with ledger shredder. It's draw a card, put a one one into play. Um, stuff like this. So season pyromancer with rootwalla. Season pyromancer with hollow one. Ledger shredder with hollow one. Um, and all of this stuff. You have the neonate. I, I personally really love this innovation. I'm I'm a YouTube video will be uploaded on my channel very soon if you want gameplay of the deck. But I genuinely think that after I've seen these breach decks with Ragavan, I think that there must be some hidden decks that must be decent if you just shove Ragavan, <laughs> Renin Six, or Urza Sag into it. Maybe it's just Ragavan is just so good that it doesn't really matter what other yeah. cards you put with it. Yeah, I I had a game against um. Oh, I forgot. It was a lightning bolt deck. It was like four color. It was like five color something or four color. I don't know. It was a four color deck. And oh, it was creativity. That was it. And they kept having to bolt my Vengevine. But because I was dashing a Ragavan, I just needed to draw a creature, dash Ragavan against Yogmoth. Yogmoth, I got, how did I get Vengevine? Oh, with Neonate. Turn one Neonate. Turn two Bowmat Courier plus Fury. Bowmat Courier Fury, get Vengevine back. Attack with Bowmat plus Vengevine. That won me the game. 
loads of things. I thought the deck was really cool. Maybe I'm just, you know, uh, hoping for the world, but I don't know. I thought yeah, that was a really fun deck. It looks cool. It looks a little one-dimensional and maybe not super easy to hate on because you're not relying too strongly on the graveyard. You have Shredder, Season Power for card advantage. You have Fury that's going to be kind of nuts in some matchups, but Bomat Courier seems a little weird to me. I, I'm not a fan of playing that card with no removal or very little removal. You have you just have four Furies in the deck. Was that card any good in the games? So the problem is, is that you have to play one drops to trigger Vengevine, and there aren't great options. And Bomat Courier for us was interesting because if you can get one or two attacks in and you and you flood, you can discard lands and hope to hit um, a hollow one or something. But yes, I don't think it's an amazing card. I just think that you're forced to play one drops and thought it was okay-ish. And I think what was nice is you can argue maybe Endurance is really good against the deck. Well, we found that there were spots where if you use Fury to get back Vengevine, they have to Endurance. The Fury's on the stack because the Vengevine trigger goes first. Fury Resolves can kill the Endurance. So yeah. I thought I thought the deck had some lines. I don't think... I don't. Again, I think this is definitely nowhere near tier two, defo tier three, maybe even worse, but I just thought, you know, I want to have fun. I think that there are definitely Modern Horizons 2 decks that are possible, and I've just been trying to, like, I did an Echo of Eons video this week, I'm going to do a Bizarre Trade Mage video, I just think that Modern Horizons 2 cards, we can see with things like Fable of the Mirror Breaker, you can take a card and say, oh, it's bad because it's three mana, but if you can try and utilize the effect and put it in a good deck and surround it with cheap, efficient cards, I think that you can actually come up with a very good playable deck in Modern. Um, Did you consider Fable again, the Mirror Breaker for this deck because it lets you discard cards for Hollow One and Bench One? Yeah, I do. I do consider it a good card. We just didn't play. We just played four season Pyromancer. The problem is you can't play a ton of um, yeah, non creatures. Are pretty hard to play non creatures, yeah. and you have access to Is It Charm if you need a loot. Because that's instantly loot too. Um, but yeah, it's again, I think more my point of my this whole talk to my whole purpose of I think that there must be some sort of KCI deck. You know how KCI took ages to be discovered. I'm I'm doing this little like me, me, like YouTube section where I'm trying to make a video yeah. where I brew a deck and no, I thought that was pretty wrong. cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah, one another problem I have is you're only playing 19 lands and you have eight free drops and don't have a ton of cantrips. And that's kind of maybe a little sketch. I guess Trade Mage is good because it, it lets you cast Hollow on right away, whereas Season Pyro doesn't. But yeah, eight free drops and your 19 land decks. Um, I do like Wonder, though. I wonder if you should. Yeah, I like the Wonder in the sideboard. The Wonder was great. There, there's one yeah. in the main, one in the board. Well, I, I wonder if it. Main. If it shouldn't be more, I feel like maybe that card, but I, I guess that card's all uh, can be awkward in, in high numbers, but no, I, it looks cool. Yeah, maybe there's, there's, or maybe, you know, not like totally new decks, but some take on a deck that already, already exists, but slightly different angle. Yeah, I'm definitely with there's There's kind of room to, there's still room to explore in the format and, you know, some very, very powerful cards in the modern horizons kind of discard pile that haven't haven't seen play yet i mean we've this has kind of been a running theme of the of the episode but like uh you know yeah i talked about how breaches breaches underexplored but there's probably also other areas that are that are worth plumbing and you know good on you for trying to get there i don't think bizarre trade mages it but you know i i, I do love a hollow one 
I really, really love Hollow One. Yeah, it's fun. Honestly, it's fun to brew. It's fun to just play build decks for fun and try stuff out, not have high expectations. And I should probably do that some more sometimes. I, yeah. I do it occasionally, but so rarely these days. It was a hallmark of your early streams, actually, where you were kind of like going outside the box and kind of going deep on something that people hadn't really spent a lot of time on. Yeah. I mean, that's how I did. I mean, that's kind of. I guess that's how you made, made your career, I guess. Yeah. And now or, you just phone, phone it in, net, net deck something every week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just so much stuff right now, you know? It oh, is, hell yeah. Hell yeah, it is. And maybe the motivation's not, not as high, even though when you see, you know, how good Spike does with his stream and his content creation, there's yeah. clearly... The Spike is living, living, proof, living, living proof that there's a huge amount of room to explore and be successful. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, last time I can remember, Gab, you brewed a deck that did well with Soul Herder. So I think it's possible. And that's a Modern Horizons card. To also Three mana Modern Horizons cards are gems, I'm telling you. So, yeah, true, true, true. Think about it, though, Gab. You fire up the stream, you say to Twitch chat, start giving me modern cards that you think are good, but don't see play. And these YouTube comments, Twitch chat... All these brewers love these cards, yeah. and you know they turn from memes to dreams. Like I, I remember <laughs> looking at Fable of the Mirror Break and thinking this card's trash, but it's one of the best cards in Pioneer. It's starting to see a load of play in Modern. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of potential. This is uh, inside the Harry's card evalu- evaluation. Fable of the Mirror Breaker, trash, bizarre trade mage, gimme. <laughs> well, yeah, I, of I, course, but I know, I know, what, I know what you're saying. I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah, no, 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 I get you. I, I can imagine I, I was, Gab's stream being like, tell me what card is not being utilized in Modern Horizons, and then six hours later, there's a deck on stream. Yeah, no, that ag- sounds Agonize over every single choice. That sounds fun. <laughs> it does sound like reminds, fun. It reminds me of another Magic streamer, or player, Pierre Canali. Nothing to do with Magic, but there was a concept where you went to a, a dinner at a chef's place, and you had to pick ingredients you didn't like like onions or whatever and he would make you a dish with the stuff you didn't like you know obviously he couldn't be just allergic to it but and i don't remember what pierre picked but he said he loved it you know i don't know what this has to do with <laughs> that's that's actually cool i never i never heard of that sort of thing that sort of thing before. yeah cool. yeah yeah is pierre Canale still around okay. he yeah he play? plays he plays flesh and blood i saw him not that long right. ago when Yadgar was in Paris with his uh, fiance, soon to be wife. Um, so that was nice. Right. Uh, I, I see him occasionally. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. I've, I've watched that Pro Tour Finals video so many times in my life. That's <laughs> <laughs> not, not, maybe not his finest out, but he was the winner of the Pro Tour. <laughs> yeah, it's legendary. It is absolutely legendary. Yeah. Anything Did, else about modern this week, or not? Not for me. No, I, I played a. Uh, played and watched a lot of pioneer i'm happy to talk about that for a bit all right right so i think last week i promised to play some abzan grease fang and so i did mm. it's pretty good witherbloom command's a really cool card i haven't cast that card before and it was really great to cast that get a huge value off of like two modes every time uh you know milling to make extra land drops killing creatures draining people out uh gaining a bit of life against aggressive decks it's just and then cleaning up like non uh non-creature non non-land permanence as well with the uh with the other ability was really good so yeah i, I 
thoroughly impressed by the utility of that card and how it fits in nicely with this deck. I won a lot of fair games where I would just, you know, curve Rafine's Informant into Liliana the Bale, into Asika's Chariot, and just put a lot of pressure on my opponent and kind of win like that. Won some, you know, fast Parhelion games. Yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed with the deck. I don't necessarily think it's that much... I, I still I still don't think it's as good as red black or or mono green and in fact this is a bit unfortunate but I didn't get to play against those decks either time in my pioneer league which might feel like an anomaly but that's that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes and so I don't think it's necessarily kind of going to usurp those things but it's a it's a solid deck and worthy of playing in in the pioneer format I think and it's reflected in the pioneer challenge results this weekend it's done well it's got, had a second place and uh, a couple uh, maybe two other top fours. And so, yeah, just universally doing well. Lots of people playing. Okay, so maybe maybe just wind back. The list that I copied to begin with had two rotting registers, one Liliana the Veil, and I just never even sleeved up the registers. I just thought that's too that's that's too far gone, too one-dimensional. And so I just put the three Liliana in, and they were great for me. And, you know, just changed the amount of base a little bit to have the extra couple of black sources so I could get around, um, you know, the extra, extra double black spells in my deck. And that's also, again, like, what the people who've done well on the challenge have done. You know, no gimmicky cards, just lots of really good cards. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so Abzan Grease Fang, good deck. Would recommend it, especially if you want to have some fun. Also, if you want to do some winning and you find winning fun. Hmm. Yeah, I guess talking about Pioneer, Cherry in the Mox. Oh, of course. Went 0-4 in Pioneer. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. So I guess, yeah. Uh, for those who don't know the structure of the tournament, you play a, a draft and then you play a constructed portion. The winners of both portions, so the 3-0 players in the draft, 3-0 player and constructed, played the finals. The finals is the constructed format. Um, Cherry X-Man, close friend of mine, testing partner, helped him test for the whole event. We tested Cube together, and I guess if you watch the Cube, his Cube deck was black-red aggro with... Uh, loads of low-to-the-ground creatures, but what's funny is Cherry and I talked loads about card selection, card choices. Two cards that Cherry kind of always laughed at was Bitter Blossom and um, the four-mana enchantment that exiles the top card on your upkeep. Uh, uh, Dragon Outpost Siege, that's it. To those specific two cards, Cherry told me he did not like, and both of them helped him win and 3 of the draft portion. Outpost, now, it was only there two sick. cubes a day. I don't day. know what he's on about yeah, well, well, Ch- Cherry and I were pl- playing loads of cubes. I did two cubes a day to help him out. He played six plus cubes a day. So I think easily my his opinion that I got could have been warped because he's playing way, way more than what I'm, I was seeing. But yeah. Yeah, great. Cherry three of the draft. He's qualified for Worlds, Went into right? Pioneer. Yeah, qualified for Worlds so, because he three of the draft and made the finals of the tournament. And he got like 10K as well or something like that, right? 15 grand. To three of a cube yeah, draft, jeez. Nice yes. Uh, well done. I think Cherry's made close to 25 grand in the past three months from Magic Online. He's got a huge heater, right? Like, Yeah. He's top eight at a challenge every other week, and he plays two or three leagues a day. And I've seen him cash out a thousand tickets maybe twice in the past three weeks. So... Yeah, the guy, the guy is defo a beast. I wish I could. I wish I had the motivation to play as much Magical Line as him. What's funny is we're on Discord all day. I'd say me and Cher are on Discord for like six and a half hours a day, and he he plays like three times amount as Magical Line as me because I'm just like I just get bored of it. He 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 just blasts through it. But um, 
actually talking about Pioneer, sorry. <laughs> he went to the event with, he literally said to me, Harry, I know that we've got a green list, but I'm a coward. I'm just going to bring what people think is good. I was like, okay, fair play. He went 0-4. So um, with mono green, with one Teferi and some sideboard changes. But I think honestly, he was messaging me throughout the event and he said, after the draft, he was like, dude, I can barely stay awake and I have to play four more hours of magic. Yeah. And it started um, at like yeah, 8 p.m. So, UK time. Like Cherry's in the UK, isn't he? Yeah. And Cherry normally gets up at like 7 a.m., goes to bed around 10. So the fact that he had to play past 10 was unique in itself because he doesn't even stay on Discord past 10. But, um, what a good boy obeying his bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> We, we had a little bit of a leak problem. <laughs> Cherry did leak to me his results because coverage was like an hour and a half behind. <laughs> and so I forgot to tell Gab that we're not meant to tell anyone. And <laughs> Gab actually read it out on his stream to a thousand people, which was great. But I, they didn't care in the end. I don't even think they found out. <laughs> Cherry didn't care. So, But it was just funny. It was just a really funny um, moment on stream. But <laughs> we're sitting there like, this is a really yeah. tense match. Like, will Cherry make <laughs> make worlds? And <laughs> Gab just pulled his phone out. <laughs> it was great <laughs> right yeah but again sorry actually talking about pioneer sorry sorry um first off i think that green is still good because oh, yeah. both tommy ashton and cherry played green and they did terribly and i think in an eight person mocks playing a deck and it does badly i think that's not a good representation and um also, what I find interesting is they had no bans. I saw so much outcry from pros in the Mox chat. I saw a couple pros when Tommy Ashton was playing. I presume his testing team, maybe? They were they were like pacing like, this is easily the most busted Pioneer deck I've ever played and whatnot. And they were like atting all the Watsy employees None and of these stuff. people have ever I think played the Mirror Excuse me. I think it was, uh, what's his name? Oh, I've forgotten his name. He definitely plays with Tommy Ashton, but... Yeah, so I th I'm happy with no bans. I was expecting Nykthos or Old Growth Troll, but is what it is. And I think if you want to play green, keep playing green. I had a few messages from Patreons, shout out to them, asking for tips with mono green, going to some tournaments. Happily give that. Um, In the Discord, shout out the podcast Discord. See, I've been loving green. I think Cherry still loves green. But I'm definitely staying away from Pioneer because I'm sick of that format now. I've been playing too much of it. We've come full circle. Yeah. yeah, and for people who missed it, it was who ended up doing really well in the Pioneer portion, even though it's very few rounds where Nathan Stoyer and Marcio Carvalho, they tested together and they played the same blue-red Phoenix list, kind of the straightforward build was Shredder and the Trespass and the Galvanic iterations and stuff. And yeah, they crushed it. They said they didn't expect... I forget, but basically they, they kind of expected that metagame. They figured it'd be at least two green players and they were okay with their green matchup. They had a bunch of gusts. And I think they didn't expect, like there's maybe a, a bad matchup for two for them, which they didn't expect. And they were happy with the field. But I didn't see every game. The, the few games I saw of green against blue-red was just kind of the green player getting screwed, honestly, getting a little unlucky. And... I mean, blue-red will make you look bad. It's the kind of deck, you know, they have cheap removal, they have cheap interaction, so it can make you look bad even when your draw is okay. But, you know, it's super, super small sample, and I wouldn't look too much into it. It is funny that Cherry went for draft and 
03 in, in the Pioneer and then lost. Was it just one match or was it the thing where they do, uh, you have to win two out of three matches? Just one match. Or it was just one match. Yeah. Because the finals is just for 5k and I, I assume a trophy. Yeah. Because top two get worlds. They both get guaranteed 15k. Yeah. First place is 20k. So it's only for 5k. Yeah. Is this the second one in a row that Nathan Stoy has won? He's yes. won two. I don't know if it's two in a row. What a crusher. And he's the only I one to ever he... sweep, uh, go like oh, three, three or three three, and yeah. get automatic win because play right. the finals yeah. against yourself. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. That was just, yeah, absurd either. Yeah. yeah. I played a bit of, of Pioneer 2 this week. I um, think maybe I played some blue white control or maybe that was last week and I was like, okay, I need to start playing other decks. And I played a league with Niv. It was it was fine. Honestly, the story of my week in Pioneer has been that she's been throwing games and just losing to mistakes a lot. And a lot of the games I, I lost, I could have won. So I thought the Niv deck was okay. You know, Claudio H played it in the Pioneer mocks. He was qualified. It didn't go super well for him, but he still thinks it's good. He he said he got all lucky, and I think the deck's overall solid. Um, I played Blueback Control. It's a deck I'd already played. I played it. My first league went pretty well. It was kind of textbook what was my experience last time. I went 4-1. and one. My only loss was Red-Black, and I beat everything else. And then the day after, I had kind of a bad day. I think I went 2-3 in the league and 0-3 in the, in the prelim. But I think, honestly, almost every match I lost, I could have maybe won. It was just kind of close games, and I was... You know, when I'm streaming, I'm not always playing, always playing great. And I, I think the deck's legit. My assessment is kind of still the same as last time. I think it's mostly better than blue-white control in almost every matchup, against, except against red-black, where mm. I think it's way worse. I've tried Scarab God. That can help a bit. It's it's tough. I've tried Ash Shock. I've tried a few, like, kind of haymakers to see if you can maybe win the game by just stop-decking a lot of these high-impact yeah. cards, but... I don't think it's enough. That's that's that was my assessment of it as well. Is maybe a little maybe a little bit. I'll start, I'll start with what I agree with. I think that it's got a generally favorable matchups. Same same set of favorable matchups that blue white does, but it lacks that kind of. I find that it lacks that that ability to kind of just turn the corner that's needed in, in the control decks in this kind of era of magic, where you kind of make this exchange of resources and then they're not completely on the front foot, and you just just turn the turn the knife in their back by like casting Teferi, Hero Dominaria, uh, and then you know drawing a card and passing it with with some mana untapped to to interact with the next thing they try to do. There's, I was watching a little bit of your blue black streams and my experience when I've played it in the past is you get this really favorable exchange of resources, then you don't really punish them. You like maybe you get to pass with open mana, maybe you cut to cast a draw spell or something like that. But it's not this kind of you don't leverage it into a huge like onboard positional advantage and that really hamstrings you against a deck like red black where you know they can pick you apart and you know take away that kind of take away the kind of uh, interaction in a a critical spot and you know the top of your decks is a little bit less good and you know as compared to what it would be in a a deck like blue white and so you know i like that you've been trying scarab go because i think that's one of the like one of the ideas that i think was got the most merit against red black but at the same time it's it's slow and clunky and if they don't if you're not in the driver's seat when you cast it and they have a couple of removal spells to so just move it out of the way 
for a turn or two, then it can be a little bit clunky. But yeah, I, I, I like Blue Black overall as well. Uh, do you find that you, the sweepers are good enough at catching you up from behind if your interaction doesn't line up properly in the early games? Yeah, Extinction Event's been really good against Green. It can be really good against Mono White. A lot of time you can, you know, fatal push the, the two drops and they're left with a bunch of uh, one drop or three drops. Uh, Shadow's Verdict is a strong card. I had one in the sideboard. Yeah, so what happens with Blue White, back to your point, is that against Red Black specifically, you just cast Wandering Emperor. Teferi, these cards line up pretty well. They're, they're annoying for them and they add up. And if you draw enough, you know, you can make up for some bad stars or sometimes you just curve out, you know, naturally like sensor counter, etc. Blue Black, it's a little tougher to turn the corner. You don't have these cards. You have, you know, us, us playing Shark, you have Shark Typhoon, you have Gear Halt, you can play Hallbreak Horror. Um, but some of these cards are expensive and a shark typhoon, you know, it's cool and all, but they have dead fatal pushes in game ones anyways. So yeah, that matchup stuff, you kind of have your quote unquote turn the turner, turn the corner card is dick for time, which you usually don't play in blue white, but it's really good in blue black because you have fatal push instead of portable holes. You have that extra cards that goes to the yard and that that can be kind of, you know, you cast dig, you have two or three mana up, you usually have a counter spell for the next spell, and then you, you you chain more card advantage. So that card can help you turn the corner. Uh one card I was really impressed with, I tried an Urtai Resurrected. It was good. I added a second one. That card's been really strong for me. And it was a card that had already impressed me. I thought it was gonna be kind of mediocre. And anytime I see that card, I'm I'm pretty impressed. Um it doesn't read that well on its surface, but it gives you a huge amount of tempo advantage. I guess like you know, counting counter the spell, kill the creature, and leave yourself with a body to trade with something or threaten a planeswalker. Sort of makes makes up for that card you give them back. Yeah, yeah, threatening planeswalker is huge. Other cards I've been impressed with were Tainted Indulgence, two copies. People underestimate that card. It's always kind of perfect for me in this deck. You don't want too much air, you know, too many cantrips. But couple indulgence, couple consider. Soul Shatter is another card that's not super flashy, but it does the job. It does some cool things like against spirits. It helps you play against rattle chains. Um, you know, one one line I missed, but something you can do is against green if they play the the, the five six and they have nothing in the yard yet or nothing good. You can soul shatter with a trigger on the stack. I mean, I guess that could be any removal, but yeah, that card has impressed me. Cling to dust has been. Super game winning, so good in so many matchups. I had one in the main, I added a second one. You get Storm the Festival, you get, you know, in the control mirrors, it's the difference between easily the difference between winning and losing when you start hitting memory deluge. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a, that's yeah. a card I didn't have very many copies of when I was playing that deck, and I probably, you know, probably would go a, a fair way to, to, to swinging some of the, the, those positions around. Great against Croxer as well. Yeah, it, it really is so good. Even sometimes just a life gain saves you. So right now, the way I have it configured, and I think it's the way to go, is all instant speed cards except for two extinction events in the main. So no Ash Shock, no Scarab God, just two Aratai, three Shark Typhoons, one Gear Hulk, two Dig, two Deluge. And then sideboard, you have um, more sorcery speed stuff. You know, I have one Scarab God, two Kalidas. That card is all-star in so many matchups, so strong. Shadow's Verdict's been good for me. Maybe it should be like two events, one Verdict in the main. Um, 
lines up well against green. Sometimes you even sweep an extra Cura, you know, uh, along with their elves and their trolls. And I've been trying Orvar, the old form, to help against Ragdos. Uh, Noxious Grass is a great card in the meta. Ether Gust, great. Dispute, great. And the one enter the God Eternals. Um, that card's been super solid for me. So yeah, I think that the deck's the deck's good. Uh, I I, I want to play it some more. I've been, you know, my results have not been great, but I think it, it still feels pretty good. But yeah, I don't think it's you know kind of like blue white. I don't think it's like super busted. It's playable. It's good. It can win, but it's not like I don't think you know it's not changing two or three car cards around. If your if your deck doesn't feel like great, it's not just changing two or three cards and fine tuning the list. That's really gonna take it to the next level. But you know, good enough. I think if you like control decks. Ooh. I guess is that all of our content for this week? Yeah, that's that's it for me. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty good with that. I yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back into magic a little bit. This is like banner restricted announcement and then the upcoming kind of uh RC, not RCQ but the region regional championships kinda of got me excited for playing play and watch a bit of magic again. Yeah, you have words at the end of the month too. Exactly, yeah. Mm. No. Yeah. So what are we going to do for The Price is Right then? Mm. On cardmarket.com, the sponsor of this podcast. Could do Orvar. We could do. But that's from a recent standard set. Maybe it's going to be pennies. I reckon, right. I reckon it's... I reckon it's well, I'm not going to play my hand. <laughs> okay, I... I, 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 I believe I know it's like five or six sticks on Magic Online for okay. transparency. Wow. Yeah, I, I know that as well. I bought a few. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I've got a price. Me too. Three, two, one. Two euros. Two, two euros fifty. Are we all two euro? Fantastic. <laughs> oh gosh. Wait, you Why? said two fifty. You said two as well, Harry. Two fifty. Oh, two, two, two fifty. The average price for the past thirty days: three euros and sixty. <sighs> The past price in the past seven days is four euros. <laughs> the past day is four euros thirty. So I think I'm the winner with that fifty cents. Dang, incredible. <laughs> Orvar, the all form. If you want to be creativity, go to cardmarket.com. Buy it right now. Cheap playset. <laughs> Jesus. Um, life on the line though. Theoretical tournament tomorrow, boys. Win the event you live, lose you die. Got to bring a decklist in every format we talked about today. So in modern, I'm gonna be bringing. Mm, mono white hammer in pioneer i'm gonna bring mono green <laughs> what about you pat all right i'm gonna play merc tide in modern i think that formats in a little bit of kind of upheaval you know small adjustments make people overreact and merc tide's really good at punishing people who aren't playing very well tuned decks so i'm gonna play i'm gonna play merc tide tomorrow i'm going am i gonna play main deck blood moons I don't think I am. I'm not that kind of guy. But I'll have Blood Moons in my 75, that's for sure. And I might bring them in against you. So fetch basics. Um, in Pioneer, I think I would play Red Black still. I haven't played it. I haven't played it since Shield got printed, but that, card, that deck is really good. Um, yeah, I would play Red Black. I just, it's just too good to argue against. I, I enjoyed my experience with Abzan, Grease Fang, but. 
it does similar things to Red Black in a lot of respects. Red Black just does them better, and I don't think the reanimation gimmick is good enough. Gab? Yeah, and modern. I think I might play Omnath, you know, no mm-hmm. no Kahira for Ice Fang. I think people kind of are kidding themselves if they think they can beat Murktide without Ice Fang in yeah. the deck. It's a big, 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 big swing in that matchup. And or maybe, you know, the the blue eyed narc said, I don't know. I guess I guess maybe this weekend I'd just play I don't know, it's tough. I, I like that days on doing deck, but I, I'm not sure it's the kind of life on the line. I guess I've done really well with it. I guess I'll just play blue-eyed days on doing. And in Pioneer, it looks like blue-black is is maybe better than blue-white, but I think blue-white just less, maybe more forgiving. And, yes. you know, red-black still a huge part of the meta. So I guess I would just play blue-white control in Pioneer. Cool. Okay, well... Where are we going to see you play these decks, Gab? Twitch.tv slash yellowhats. Cool. You can find my clickbait content on YouTube, HarryMTG. What about you, Pat? Can't find anything from me anywhere. (laughs) Well, you can see us thanking the listeners for making it this far into the episode. And hopefully we'll catch you guys next week. Catch you later, everybody. Take care, everyone.